Father in heaven, we're so thankful to be here in the house in this day. Lord, we're, we're moved by what we see outside and the beauty of, of thy creation as we came in this morning. And, and Father, warmed by the sun as it, it shines on us. But Lord, even so much more thankful that we can come into thy house in this day and to be uh, warmed by the fellowship that we can experience, by the moving of thy spirit as we would study your word together and now as we would continue on in it to expect thy blessings from it. Lord, pray that you'd move our hearts to understanding of the path that you would have for us. Pray that you'd be with those who can't be with us in this day. Um, thankful that folks are still healthy and, and generally doing well, but we, we do intercede for all those that can't be with us, for the Marcy's and Aunt Marie and Aunt Laney, Sister Hilda, Lord, we're mindful of so many and, and some that don't come to mind all the time. Lord, minister to them as well. Pray that as we come out of a, a cold season, Lord, that we can be warmth, warmed as we would be able to spend time with Thee here in Thy house and, and be encouraged by Thy Word and by the fellowship that we can share together, Lord. Now bless this time that we would spend and, and for it all we'll give Thee thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask if you would turn with me to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 11. We'll bounce around a little bit today. Acts chapter 11. We had a Bible study on Wednesday evening. The one analogy that Dad mentioned was um, holding ladder holders or, or folks that would hold the ladder for um, the the general analogy was was Ananias uh, going for before uh, to see Paul and um, being that one that would support him and, and to vouch for him um, just by the by the vision that he received from God to go and to support Paul and to you know put away any of the fears that he would have had um, because of Paul's reputation and, and to stand in the gap and to, and to support him. And As I was kind of reflecting on that and reading a little bit further of some of the, the accounts after Paul's conversion, another ladder holder, I'll, I'll use that analogy again, that came to mind was Barnabas. And was intrigued, this, this passage that we're going to read in, in chapter 11, um, I was there for a different reason, but, but this character of Barnabas came, came to mind. And we know he's a familiar figure in the Bible and in all of our studies, the, the son of encouragement, right? There aren't that many Bible characters that have a title or have a name, a nickname. Um, Philip the Evangelist and Barnabas the son of encouragement. I can't, you know, Doubting Thomas may be the other one, and there's other ones that we could probably pull out that are less flattering. But those two... Um, were ones that we, we know pretty well. And so what I'd like to do is to, to take a look. We'll start here in, in chapter 11. We will bounce back a little ways to see where he came from. And then to, to discuss that, that title, um, encouragement. Uh, I think I have in my head what encouragement means, and we've, we've talked about that even in the last couple of weeks here from the pulpit, um, of being encouragers. But Barnabas is act of encouragement or, or his character of encouragement is a little bit different than I think what we, we might often think. 
But with that as a, a bit of a backdrop, let's, um, let's start with verse 19, excuse me. Uh, verse 19 of chapter 11. It says, Now they were scattered, now they which were scattered upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great multitude believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with the purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Then the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And in these days came the prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Just to finish up the 11th chapter of Acts. So what intrigued me was this, it was actually the end of this chapter that really grabbed my attention. And I thought, well, this is going to be the part we're going to focus on. Um, And just to anecdotally let's talk about that in verse 27 it, it talks about how there there is a a prophet named Agabus that has a vision in the spirit that there's going to be a famine that's coming and these disciples take that take that very seriously and they gather money they they, they gather up the their um, provisions and determined to send those things to the, to the other disciples or to the apostles and, and to, the, to the churches abroad. And they do that by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. I just found it interesting. I think that, you know, the, this prophet, this Agabus, was not one of the apostles. We don't read about him anywhere else, at least that I can find. But so seriously they took this vision that he had, that this, the Spirit inspired him, um, that this... This famine was coming, and we can read historically that there was a famine uh, at that time. And so it, it just struck me. I thought, boy, that's an interesting little piece there. And then I noticed, well, it went by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And if I follow correctly, and maybe we'll learn more on Wednesday, this would start to be the, the path, or to be the start of Paul and Barnabas going out and, and ministering together. And so as I, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting, I, I went back and see, well, where did this, getting back to the encouragement piece, where did this um, name, the son of encouragement, come from? Was it just because he was Paul's, um, Paul's sidekick all along the way? Or, 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 you know, he was, Paul always had a companion with him on his trips, whether it was Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, um, you know, Timothy, Luke, well, 
it's more than that. If we go back, and, and forgive me because we're going to flip a little bit here. In chapter 4 of Acts, we find the first indications as to who, uh, who Barnabas was. If you remember, in, in chapter 4 of, of Acts, there's the description that talks about how as the manner of the church was at that time, that everyone, or, or many, would go and sell their possessions and give it to the church, and they had all things common. It's right before we talk about the Ananias and Sapphira story. But when we get to verses 30, verse 36 of chapter 4, it says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted, interpreted the son of consolation, or the son of encouragement, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. First, first spot that we see Barnabas here in Scripture And we find that it's not even his name. This guy got renamed the son of encouragement. I don't mean to be humorous, but what would you be renamed as? What would I, forget you, what would I be renamed as? I was thinking about this the other night. I could come up with a thousand things, but the son of encouragement likely would not be the nickname that the apostles would come up with for Mike. And it says that it was his surname. So, you know, that's his family name. His family name became Barnabas. Imagine Ashley and Ellie and Ethan and Max having to carry the name of whatever my attribute was. And don't fill in the blanks now out loud, but what would it be for, for your family? I could come up with some... It could be funny, right? We could do this if this was an afternoon service. We might have the whiteboard out and come up with these, what these things would be. But this man's name was changed to encouragement. Joseph or Joseph encouragement. How would you like to introduce yourself as, I'm Joseph's encouragement? I couldn't do it with a straight face. It wouldn't, it wouldn't land. But he, he had a character... Independent, maybe not independent, but including this willingness to give his land. So it's a, it, it means to assume that he was a man of substance, of some um, sub-measure. Gave it, sold it, brought it, the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Not unlike what many, many others had done at the time. But this man was given, he was renamed the son of encouragement. The next time we see him, if we go to chapter 9, if we go to chapter 9 of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul. Let me find my correct verse here, forgive me. Well, chapter 8, so that's not going to be the right one anyways. Uh, we'll start in verse 22. It says, But Saul increased more in strength. I'm going to keep using him interchangeably, Saul and Paul. But Saul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after many days were fulfilled, the Jews counseled to kill him. But their lying await was known unto Saul, and they watched, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. 
But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken unto him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went, but they went about to slay him. Which when, the, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. So we're, we'll continue to study the Apostle Paul on Wednesday nights, and I, I don't mean to, to pour water on that, but to, to focus in on the Barnabas piece of this. We have, we have the Apostle Paul now converted, having come out of his time in Arabia, is, is preaching, he's being persecuted by the Jews, he's being chased out of Damascus, you know, let out of the, the city in a basket, and he comes to Jerusalem. And he went, when he gets there, he makes the effort to go see the believers. He makes the effort to go see the disciples and to talk to them, to join himself to the church. And it says that all of them were afraid of him to the measure that they would not see him. They, they didn't want him anywhere near them. But Barnabas took him, and brought him to the apostles. Wednesday night, I think, was part of the reference we talked about on Wednesday night was this from, I think it's Galatians 1, where it explains, the apostle Paul says that when he got to Jerusalem, he came to, he, he only was able to see James and Peter. So Barnabas, if we add this piece into it, Barnabas comes and takes him and says, you know, I don't want to be too flippant about it, but I'm not going to worry about the rest of the church. I'm not going to worry about the rest of the disciples. I'm going right to the top. I'm going to take this, take this brother Paul and I'm going to bring him right to James, the brother of Christ, and to Peter, the, the, as, as high in the church as we can get at this point, and I'm going to vouch for him. It doesn't say that he you know, sent a letter of recommendation and uh, you know, mailed off, uh, sent a messenger. It, it's interesting. He didn't do the Apostle Paul's path with um, Onesimus and Philemon. You know, he sends him back with a letter and says, please, please release our brother from his obligations and so on. But he goes, he, it says he brought him and he took him. Or he took him and he brought him. He embraced him and then he went and put his credibility on the line. His reputation as the son of encouragement was now going to take this man who they were all fearful of and go right to the as high as he could at the time to vouch for his um, for his standing and, and for his embrace of faith. And not only does he just he doesn't just bring him there and leave him at the door and says, "Okay, Paul, you know, tell him your story." He relays the story, took him and brought him, and declared. I take that as Barnabas declaring unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. He rehearses Paul's conversion for James and Peter. To the point where he was embraced, he was accepted. It was the it was the final acceptance that Paul needed in in the church, and in in the new church, in the early church at that day. It says, when, "Which when the believers knew, well, actually, that acceptance allowed him then to speak boldly in the name of Christ and to begin disputing with the Grecians and starting as Paul's path would be to you know start offending everybody wherever he goes, to the point where." 
the church, the, the, the apostles then send him uh, forth to Tarsus. They have to get him out of town because he's, he's being such a, um, he, he's being threatened so much. But we didn't read this, this piece. But then the churches re- had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. I just was, was moved by that. I mean, think about what if Barnabas wasn't there? Certainly God would raise somebody else up. But what if Barnabas wasn't there? He had the opportunity to usher in the next phase of the gospel message being proclaimed because he was doing it in the support of this man, Paul. And recognizing that he, maybe he didn't recognize it, but there was some risk to his reputation in doing so. There, this wouldn't have been an easy thing. I mean, Dad used the analogy on Friday, read a, 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 a passage about, imagine you were called to advocate for Hitler. I heard a passage the other day that said, what if you were called at the time, it was an older anecdote, but what if you were called to, to advocate for Gaddafi? And you're a Jew. And okay, I, I, the vision comes. You need to go advocate. Barnabas didn't even get a vision. Ananias had the blessing of having a vision from God. There's a man on a street called Straight. You need to go to him. And Barnabas didn't have that, that we can read from. Barnabas had the experience that he made with Paul. He heard his testimony and by conviction of the Spirit embraced it and then advocated for him. It makes me think that this wasn't the only time Barnabas was doing things like this. And I wonder what reputation, you know, I wonder how that sat with, with some other folks. We kind of know, there, there are those experiences that we have in life where there's somebody, there's, you know, we call, this is called the son of encouragement. There's probably some that are the sons of pushing the envelope. I'm getting the sense that Barnabas was probably one that was known to push things. Not push the envelope necessarily, but known to be um, to put his reputation and his credibility on the line for the benefit of someone else. There's a. I'm probably more cautious. I, I, I tend to be more cautious, but I have a friend who stretches me and says, "Trust me, we're going to try this. It's going to be okay. We're, let's let's try this. It's going to be okay." And because I trust him. I'm willing to, to go, go with him to those things. Or not to those things, but to try that and to push that and to accept that and to be a little more open-minded about certain things. And I, I get the sense that that's, that's what Barnabas, that's the reputation Barnabas had. That's the, the heart that he had. Now, to get move back into where we were um, at the start, in chapter 11, Chapter 11 is interesting because we bypass a huge swath of time. The passages that just precede this is concentrated in Peter's experience with the sheet coming down and the Spirit saying, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And he says, no, 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 I won't do that. And it happens three times. And as soon as it happens a third time, then Cornelius shows up. We, we know that story. The, the experience that Peter has to make in understanding that the gospel is now going to go beyond the Jews. And that there needs to be an awareness and an openness that that's, that's where the gospel message is going. 
The immediately preceding piece in chapter 11 is Peter then going and telling, he, it, well, we'll read a little bit of it. It says, when Peter came to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They probably heard word about what just happened with uh, Cornelius, saying, Thou wentest unto the uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. Then Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, expounding it by the order, saying, and goes and gives, it repeats the whole thing one more time. To the point where they're left without anything to say. The church is left amazed. They're, they're, they're left without anything to say because the, he ends his... Well, actually, I'll read it. Then remembered I the word... Oh, and I began to speak, and the Holy Ghost fell upon them. This is verse 15. As on us from the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them like the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Peter settles the, the discussion or settles the dispute or the question as to whether this was God's will for the gospel to go on outside of the children of Israel or, or outside the Jewish faith. And then verse 19, where we started this morning. Now when they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose from Stephen, they traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Even though, you know, after the stoning of Stephen, they only preached to the Jews, but somehow, somehow the gospel came to these folks in Antioch and to Cyprus and to other places. We'll just focus on Antioch right now. Somehow the gospel was preached there, and it says that it was heard in the ears of, the, of Jerusalem. If the church in Jerusalem gets wind of the fact that there are these other folks, these Gentiles, that are converted, that are professing faith in Christ. If something like that happened... Um, when something like that happens, when some word of that happens, who do you send? It's, if, I find it remarkable that it, it wasn't, I mean, Barnabas certainly had stature in the church at this point from everything else we can read. He certainly had a reputation, this son of encouragement, this one that would be an advocate. But I find it interesting... Siri doesn't understand. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to turn that off, and I wave a little too, a little too Italian not to turn it on, apparently. Um, boy, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, Siri, what was I saying before? <laughs> no, so we have... Why send Barnabas? The one that would be the most... The one that would be the most um, open-minded is, is sent. Not Mr. Strict. Not Mr., well, they're not going to do it exactly like we're doing it. So we might have a problem. No, they send the one that is known to be the advocate. The one that is known to be the one that would embrace. And so he goes, And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the tidings came unto the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. 
Anybody know how far that is? I'm just, this is anecdotal. I'll let you think about it for a second. It's 7,400 miles from Jerusalem to Antioch. I thought that was crazy. I thought it had to be a, it's, Antioch was in Turkey. Hey Siri, how far is it? No. I'm going to check my, well, somebody figure out how far that is. No, it, I, I thought I said 7,300. I thought that seemed way long too, but okay. All right. It wasn't close. It wasn't going to Samaria. It wasn't crossing very closely. Don't worry about how far it is. Everybody's Googling now. It wasn't close. It wasn't an easy trip. It wasn't the kind of thing that you were going to come back from very, very quickly. And yet he goes, is sent, and it says when he gets there, he was glad. When he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all. Yeah, 7,000 is way too many. Sorry. And exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord. Four, here's a description that we should all want. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. A good man, full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Boy, I want that. Pray to God that we can all have that uh, said of us when our, our, our time is done. A good man or woman, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. To the measure that he wasn't consumed with, um, with other, eccentri- or, uh, other details of his life. It, I mean, it doesn't say that he, you know, he piled up his tent making or whatever. I don't know what he was. You know, Apostle Paul was a tent maker. We have no idea what Barnabas was. But we know that at every drop of the hat, he was willing to go. If the apostle said go, he went. Interestingly, though, here comes the apostle Paul back. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus. For to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. That tells me that when Barnabas got there, he was glad. He saw that there was potential, but he knew that there was more that had to be done. And rather than saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to sit down here and and I've got everything necessary to teach these people. He said, no, you know what? There's this man that I met. There's this brother that has been now in ex- not in exile necessarily, but had to go back to Tarsus. And if the timing, now I'm a little nervous about my numbers because I've screwed the one up. I'm hoping that this is accurate. But if I follow correctly, and it, it, this was a period of between 8 and 12 years. It wasn't like they sent Paul to Tarsus and he hung out there for a couple of minutes and then said, oh, no, no, we need you to come to, to Antioch with us. There was a period of almost a decade passes but Barnabas says, you know what, I'm not, I don't have all the skills necessary to, to teach these people. We need to use the, the, the tools and the gifts that Paul has. And so he goes to Tarsus. Again, not, I know sending letters wasn't as easy as it is today, but he didn't just send, he goes to Tarsus and he gets him. He says, you know what, there's potential here in Antioch. And again, whatever the path and whatever the, the distance was that they had to, to cross, goes that long distance, brings him to Turkey, and then there stays for a year teaching and encouraging and, and building up this church of non-Jews. 
to the point that, what do we all know about Antioch? That the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Imagine, we're going to read about missionary journeys here this, this week. Paul and Barnabas will we'll see all that they encountered in, in their time together. Imagine if they didn't have this time in Antioch where they could work together in one spot and teach these folks. It wasn't like that they were teaching in a Jewish Sunday school or Jewish Saturday school. It wasn't that they were teaching in a spot that they would have known everything. That this, that, you know, I mean, well, he was from Cyprus and Paul was the Jewish scholar. Maybe that was the, the key, was that Barnabas knew that Paul had the history. He knew all of the law. He knew how to... Uh, he, he was the, the learned man. But they had that time that they spent together being able to minister together, to learn how each other do things. Anecdotally, if, if you've taught a, a Sunday school class at camp, most of the time those are, are two-person classes. You don't do that with a stranger. You don't just, it, it, there's nothing more, we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. But when you get to camp and they say, well, you're going to have to teach with brother so-and-so from church XYZ. If you don't know your styles, that can be super awkward. It, it takes time. There has to be a, a, a knowledge of each other. There's a, a good timing that, that is, is developed. And, and knowing what one's strengths are and what one's weaknesses are. And when a question is asked... Who's going to be more adept at responding to that? And they had that time that they could spend together in Antioch to learn those things so that not only would they just be delivering those things that were sent to the elders' hands, you know, the provisions that needed to be distributed among the churches, but that the next step in the gospel's expansion and ministry and mission field was going to be able to take place with success, with understanding with comfort between the brothers that would be sharing it. Encouragement. Some of us were talking the other night about needing encouragement. And we we find encouragement in, in time that we can spend together and we haven't been able to do that like we're used to. We haven't been able to have our, our, our big get-togethers and our laughing around a table and, and telling stories and, and joking about different things. I mean, sitting in the back here, you, know, you have your mask on, and Dad's trying to tell me something funny, and, he's, and all I'm seeing is the eyes. I'm like, you can whisper all you want. Unless I see your mouth, I'm not getting the gist of what's going on here. It's nice to be able to see faces as we're standing, sitting apart and standing up here. But we need some encouragement. And so when I thought, in the past, when I thought about Barnabas, if I thought about the title of the son of encouragement, I'm thinking, well, he must have just been a very nice letter writer and phone call giver and patter on the backer person. I mean, this must have been, he just must have exuded a positive outlook on everything. And certainly, he probably did. But the Barnabas that I read about and that I take in here, and we're going to stop here. The story of Barnabas goes on much, much farther. But the Barnabas that I read about here was not, the, was not only the Barnabas that would have a, a get-together and, and you know, have a dinner with you. But this was the guy that was going to go, when he knew his reputation 
might be in jeopardy if something goes bad. When there was something that may not have worked out perfectly, but he had a conviction that this was God's will for him, that he, was, that he didn't care about the reputation piece. He didn't mind if there was going to be some folks that weren't going to be happy. Because you know what? The folks in Jerusalem, not all of them would have been real embracing of him saying, no, 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 no. Disciples, the rest of the church, sit there for a second. I'm going to, I'm going to advocate for this man. And if Peter and James are satisfied, then I know that the rest of it will work out. There's conflict. There's tension in those moments. When I think of encouragement, it's to get rid of the tension, to get rid of those moments of anxiety. It doesn't seem to me that, that Barnabas was, was fearful of those things. His focus was to do God's will and to go to those places that, that needed to be touched, to be, to be active and to be engaged in the work of the gospel. And it looked different at different times. At some points, it was, it was him donating what he had to be able to provide for the rest of the church. The next time, it was to advocate for this rebel son that was coming, coming into the faith and, and not sure of exactly where he was going to end up. And then it's to go to a place that, yeah, you know, I know Peter said that he got his vision and I know I, that, that we should all be excited about this ministry going to the, to the Gentiles, but it doesn't say he took anybody else with him. And it doesn't sound like anybody else, doesn't sound like the rest of the apostles were necessarily eager to go themselves. They sent Barnabas. But when he was there, he was glad and he ministered and then realized that there was something else that was needed, that he could add more value here by bringing somebody alongside, by bringing a helper in as well. As I've, you know, as we read through Scripture and we understand the, the stories of, of Paul and his journeys and, and we, we see, of course, the, the Apostle Paul is a, is a giant of faith. And I've always seen Barnabas, and I've seen all of Paul's companions as that, companions, helpers along the way, carrying the bag. But do we recognize the place that some of these fathers of faith had in the story? If not for Barnabas, what about Paul? If not for Barnabas, where does the story unfold? How does it come about? And I think for, for myself, that, that, that was not that we're aspiring to, to giant status or anything like that, but recognizing how God uses relationships and uses people in different ways, uses characteristics that we either have or need to develop to bring about his, his will and his purposes. It wasn't like Barnabas, and I'm not going to steal too much from the rest of the story. It's not like he and Paul got along. They got along. Not that they agreed on everything all the time. Silas wouldn't have had to come into the picture if those two had agreed all the time. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But to be that one that, that was ready to be an advocate. And I, I think for us, we, we may sit here or stand here today and, and not know what those situations are going to be in our lives. It's, they will come up at different times and in different places, and, and it'll be different for each one of us. But I guess for, for me, to have the realization and to have the recognition that there, are go- that there are experiences that God wants me to make in my life, that will be a little bit uncomfortable. And I will have to rely on his conviction in my heart to exercise action in those things. 
but that in the end, if it can be said that he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Most importantly, forget whether he's a good or a bad man, but if we're full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith, certainly that can only be good. And pray that we would, um, pray that we would always, always seek that.